This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, you guys, welcome to episode 13 of The Smoosh Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality stars. I am your host, Troy McGeady, and today I have a very, very special guest with me. Uh, first of all, the first male guest of the podcast, so this is a huge deal. Also, straight male. So, like, a new perspective for everybody. <laughs> Both of those things could be argued, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have ryan bailey here with me ryan bailey you're basically like if, hello if this was if emotionally broken psychos was like a sister wife situation yeah. i think you'd be like all of our husband <laughs> yeah yeah but by the way that's because i'm the only straight guy in that group like <laughs> I, I was just talking about this was, i mean like i'm literally the only straight guy i think so i, I it's I, I mean that's it's great but i don't I don't. I don't think of it like I'm. I'm a girl, just like all of all, everybody in the group. So I, I'm. I'm a lady. Yeah. You're just so. I got this. I gotta go. This is. Uh, this is already horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you're just more. You're just the most woke straight man that any of us have ever known. Like truly, there's nothing wrong with it at all. You're just. You're actually. You're more straight than most straight men that I know. To be honest with you. Well, uh, wow, that's 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 a huge. I really can't. That, it can't get better than that. But yeah. well, I gotta say this. I have this. I have this theory though know, that you are an, you're a straight man posing as a gay man because every girl I talk to in that group is in love with you, and I think your your ploy is just to. I think you're just doing this whole group just to get ladies. <laughs> Do you know when I was younger, my I, I used to have four roommates. They were all no, I had three. There were four of us, three roommates. Two, three of them were girls, and uh, after I like came out to them because I was like maybe in eighteen or nineteen. Uh -huh. They were all like, you know, we secretly like went back and forth thinking like, is he straight and just like a fucking creep? <laughs> Or is he just like the most lovable gay man ever? Or is he literally a pervert that we live with? I guess, <laughs> but like, it's so funny because I do talk to like a lot of lot of girls in the group, and they always say, "I'm always like, he's not that great, you guys. Like, he's got issues." But 
<laughs> well, that makes me feel really good. <laughs> well, uh, no, I'm in love with you as well. So, well, good. I'm in love with you. I'm I'm honored for you to be uh our 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 sister wife's husband. You're the Bill. Of, if you've watched Big Love, you're yeah, the Bill. Yeah, but I love I love Big Love. Uh, did you did you love that show? I love that show. Oh yeah, it's like one of my top. I'd say honestly, top five shows of all time. Truthfully, yeah, well, it's such a weird last episode. It was so sad. Um, sorry, sorry to sorry to get off topic there. That's no, okay. Sometimes somehow uh, polygamy comes up pretty frequently in this podcast in general, and especially just out of my mouth every day. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, no, of course, yeah. Uh, so today, I guess we should announce who we're going to be talking you about. Clo- are you in your closet right now? Are you in your closet with your cigarettes and stuff? Yes. I'm Okay, there's are a... You in the the There's an, a, an alleged rumor that I smoke inside my closet. I keep my parliaments near me, but I think only, um, as NeNe Leaks would say, as I said earlier, trash box hookers smoke indoors. I like to smoke outside <laughs> and billow the smoke into the, into the fresh air. So... I am in my closet. <laughs> I'm surrounded by Old Navy sweaters. Wait, so you... <laughs> I love Old Navy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, wait, so you keep your cigarettes? You keep your cigarettes there for like moral support? Yeah, like, like you just want to see them. I just keep them here when I'm ready. Like afterwards, I feel so emotionally exhausted. Like I want it to be right there for like I have a glass of wine here, and oh, okay, you know okay. when I'm done, I want to just grab at them and just go. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I'm in a hotel room right now and I have my cigarettes next to me and I was like, how can I smoke in here? And it's a non-smoking room and I see like fire um, extinguishers everywhere. And so I just, I think I, I can't risk that at all. So, I mean, I feel you, but I, I am known to smoke in a non-smoking hotel. Kind of like, I, I have, I think I've done that at every hotel I've ever stayed at. I'm not going to lie. God, see, you're way braver than I am. Like I pictured like the, it going off and then having to evacuate the whole hotel and everybody's looking at me and they know it's me. It's just, I, I, I spin out on stuff like that. Your Michael Lohan moment. And then you'll owe $20,000 to the Chateau Mormont. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just try to, try to, try to hit up my fame for money on Instagram. <laughs> well, um, do you want to announce who we're going to be talking about? Yes. Yes. Because by the way, this was like really, uh, this was a disconcerting process because I was, I really wanted to get somebody that you, um, that you liked. Mm-hmm. And we had like a list of people. And my first one, just because I'm like, I'm selfish and I'm obsessed with <laughs> this guy was Adam Duritz from Counting Crows, <laughs> which by the way, I still hold true that it, it would be a good episode. He is like the ugly version of John Mayer from the nineties. Cause this guy has like a huge roster. Like he dated all of friends, like the whole cast he dated i mean just a lot so but we didn't do him so we are doing demi moore and ashton kutcher yes which i'm excited about like a big applause break (laughs) no i i truthfully don't i think that he would be a really good episode because i just want like i'll have you back for it for sure because i need to understand why first of all (laughs) i need to understand why women are sleeping with him at all i i I don't understand it that's but that's but by the way the research for that i think we could uncover like great mysteries but i i think well also uh, but real quick though he did he supposedly like i was looking i was doing research when i thought maybe we'd do him and he dated trishel from the real world and then one of uh the ebp girls lauren i guess knows trishel from where she's at and reached out to trishel with the question 
And she said, no, they never dated, but they went to cop- coffee a couple times. So that's some good Trishality, if anybody cares. Yes. I kind of lightweight stalk Lauren because she has all the Trishality tr- and, like, she lives, like, right by her. Yeah, yeah. Like, like she – and she, like, has no problem hitting her up with any kind of question at it. Like, I would, like – uh, that might be weird if you ask her. She's like, no, I'll do it. And she totally just did it, and she responded back. So kudos. Well, okay, so as far as Demi and Ashton, like, what was your, like, do you remember your yeah. initial, like, thoughts or feelings on this relationship, like, while they were dating or, like, when it was announced? Like, what did you think about oh, them just in general? Well, I thought, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, first off, it's completely, if you, you know, just on its on its face value, it's completely bizarre. In a way, just because at that point, you know, Demi had been with Bruce Willis and she was, uh, you know, what, what, like 15 years older. So on the surface, it, it was uh, kind of bizarre. But then it was one of those things that I think both of them kind of like raised each other's stock value in celebrity. It kind of like two powers coming together to create one bigger power. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of like fit into every because it kind of like went into all of these different directions. So for me, I loved it because you had like her family, you had Bruce Willis keep popping up into the equation. Mm-hmm. You had like, like Ashton, like, like becoming really successful on Twitter and their relationship going through their Twitter phase. So for, by the way, like, I just thought there was always something interesting. They had a whole Kabbalah phase mm-hmm. that I thought was like, I mean, it hit everything that I love in celebrity. Cause they were doing like weird religious stuff, weird family stuff, uh, weird social media stuff. And then you know, like it ends in a super bizarre, weird, I mean, super bizarre normal way, but like with a cheating scandal. So, I mean, I think I, I loved it. I, I love it. I, I love, I, I thought the relationship was fascinating. Yeah, I loved it too. I thought it was really fascinating. And I just, I thought it was very um interesting because they were both kind of like, it's like you said, they did kind of raise each other by being together. Yeah. And it's weird because Demi Moore had gone from being this like, like one of the most iconic and like successful sort of like what you imagine when you think of like an actual movie star was Demi Moore at one time. And like, she had kind of gone through this sort of slope yeah, of, think like, of the, 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 Oh no, what were you going to say? I mean, no, I was saying think of think of the vanity fair cover. I mean, like, you know, with her in the pregnant belly, I mean, she had, she had hit all of those major milestones, like one of the first highest paid female actors of her kind all the magazine covers, the marriage to the famous man, Bruce Willis. I mean, so she hit all of those kind of Elizabeth Taylor moments even before Ashton came into the picture. Exactly. And then it's like she kind of like took this weird turn and, you know, she took some time off. But then being with Ashton, like they were both in sort of weird points in their careers. Like she was not like that very super lucrative movie star at the time you know and like it was just a weird thing like they became like this weird version of celebrity with each other that they neither of them were before and it's almost like she was like teaching him how to be an a-list star like she was like teaching him how to be she's like she kind of like uh benefited him a little bit well, or, or like, I mean, or even going further back, like kind of my fair lady, him, you know, like yeah. taught him how to do the things that he needed to do. And, but by the way, he was a teachable student and he ran with that stuff. Yeah. You know, I think he, I mean, it really did. Elevate, I mean, he paid attention. I mean, because remember that, like he was on, I mean, you know, that, that 70s show, he was, you know, funny and great and that. And then I guess he had punked, but like, uh, you know, he wasn't, I mean, nobody was, nobody was begging for Ashton Kutcher at the time either. You know, he was a no. good looking guy, but 
I mean, I don't, I don't remember people just freaking out. I remember him. I remember like the first weird thing about Ashton Kutcher, like, and it was right around the same time as Demi Moore was what do you remember when he was like hanging out with Puff Daddy all the time? Yeah. He became like his weird mentor. Yeah, like I like they would dress up in like three piece suits together. And I think if I'm not mistaken, they're at the MTV they were at the MTV Music Awards together and like it was like that all of a sudden was like a posse. Like Puff Daddy went from like Biggie and all that stuff to like Ashton Kutcher and you know, so like in a way Puff Daddy was like the pre Demi Moore. Like so there was like this interesting twist and I don't know what happened with Ashton where he just started hanging out with like bigger celebs than he was at the time, you know, and it, it, it you know, it, all of that stuff started elevating him. But I remember that being just so weird to me. Yeah, for sure. And like, I also think too, like this, their relationship was really important just as far as like, I don't know, the way that it shifted our culture is like in the sense of like ageism and cause it was such a huge mm-hmm. deal that she was 16 years older than him and everybody like, even still when you talk about them, their age difference always get brought, gets brought up. They always say, you know, the, yep. the 40, blah, blah, blah. And the 20, blah, blah, blah. You know, the 16, like age difference between the couple, blah, 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 blah. It's always a part of their story. Mm-hmm. Like it's always in the narrative. And I don't know. Yeah. I think that they both sort of opened up this world where like, it was okay to, do that not that they were the first couple but they were the first couple of that of like the you know the social media phase and like just sort of that yeah, era that, of that, that, celebrity that yeah which by i mean and, and by the way but also if we're going to talk about like age i mean it's kind of funny because she is i mean she was still a gorgeous lady by the way she still is for sure go- i mean like I, I feel like in so many ways she is like ageless um you know so for for but by the way, you know, it really did buck that trend of like, you know, the big, you know, the older guy with the younger girl. Like, I love that aspect of it. I was like, yeah, get yours, Demi. You know, like, yeah. that's great. Absolutely. She was like the the queen cougar. Like, she became like the poster child for being like a cool, hip, beautiful cougar with like a great body and like doing whatever she wanted. Also, like the queen of blended families. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, so she had what the the three daughters with Bruce and, like, Ashton pretty much became, like, a surrogate father to those three girls, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I guess we can... Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I think... It... Brian, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Oh, shit, sorry. Are we done? No, yeah, that was it. So, you guys, that was episode 13 of The Smush Room. I... <laughs> <laughs> did we go two hours was that two hours i think we've covered it all my dear um i guess we could like really like start to just delve into it with yes. facts and quotes and yeah. statistics and just things now perfect right, so i got some mixed uh stories as far as where they met um, I read a couple different things. Okay. The one thing that I read was that they definitely started dating in March of 2003, and they married on mm-hmm. September 24th of 2005. They had a, you know, a, a private Kabbalah ceremony, um, and yeah. you know, their whole family was there. Bruce was there. They had a hundred, 150 people there, and they legally separated in 2011, and they're officially divorced on November 27th of 2013. But I got a lot of... Conf- Which was two years after they had separated. Exactly. And he had, like, immediately then pretty much started dating Mila Kunis. He, like, wasted no time and got engaged almost immediately after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there was... <laughs> no, yeah, no no hesitation. 
Um, I got conflicting reports about where they where they met. I heard that they met at a like a dinner that they were both invited to, and then I read that they. That's what I had read. Yeah. Did you read too that they were they were introduced by Diddy at uh at that's like a party? It, that, yes, I mean, yeah, that well that was a thing. So like I I think I'm probably re- reading the thing that you're at like 2003. Lauren Kutcher first meet at a dinner in New York. But then I also had read, and I'm trying to find where that is, but it was introduced by Puff Daddy after the MTV Music Awards. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did read the same thing. Then I was like, I don't understand. I was like, I didn't get that, but that I guess that makes sense. Yeah, which, by the way, like, I could completely see why Demi Moore would, like, because Puff Daddy, like, is known for his ragers, and, like, you know, he brings, you know, big, powerful people together, and like I, 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 in my head, if I was doing the Lifetime movie of this, you know, that would be the scene I would have is like Puff Daddy partying after the MTV Music Awards and introducing Dustin, and then we get to have like a fun meet cute at uh, at Diddy's party. No, absolutely. God, Diddy is like Diddy really knows all the secrets. I bet he would write a really good tell-all book one day because he's just got like. A, a, a brain full of secrets that people just want to know. He knows everything. Well, do you watch? Do you watch Diddy on Snapchat? Like, uh, do you ever watch him on there? I don't. Oh, he's so fun. Like, he's funny without meaning to be fun. Like, he his like little girls. He has a couple daughters, and he snapped them on Father's Day giving him their uh like the father's day gifts they made for him and he made sure that then after they, they he got the gifts he gave them like a critique on how they had failed last year giving him father's day gifts or good ones and this year they had raised their game a lot so he was proud of them but like he made a point to say that the girls did not give good gifts to him last year for father's day i thought it was amazing <laughs> that is like the most on-brand thing that i've ever heard for diddy he probably was pissed that they didn't like have the gift sponsored by Ciroc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and like I said, I mean, this their relationship initially made headlines, obviously, because of their age difference. It was like the first thing that people attached attached to as far as this story. Uh, they were 16 years apart. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so then we can kind of start with Demi and what she was up to when they met and everything. It wasn't much, so we can kind of go fast on that one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was like real. That was kind of subtle shade. Like, no shade to me. I know that you're listening. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wouldn't that be great if they, if she actually does listen and she just has a major problem with that that portion of the <laughs> podcast? I was doing plenty. I mother. <laughs> I would give anything if it was like 2000. Nine, the the year that Twitter was created, when she was like an internet psychopath, I can guarantee she would find this episode and listen to it. Well, wait, wait, real quick. I mean, she made her Twitter name at Miss Mrs. Kutcher. I know, like her Twitter name, like like I mean, what a way to give up your power, like immediately. I mean, I, I don't know, like that that for some reason that little fact weirded me out. That is, and I do want to get eventually into the weird. Um, sort of like power dynamic in the relationship. I feel like in a situation like that, they there were probably a lot of things that she felt like she needed to do to like please him being older. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean well that's but see that's and that's so that's fascinating to me because that's where like I was kind of like sitting there imagining it was like 
is she was, you know, even though she was like this multi-million dollar, beautiful celebrity actor, you know, had done all these things, was she, did she still fall into the same uh, pitfalls that a lot of us do in relationships where mm-hmm. there was a lot of insecurity, you know, because mm-hmm. of age, because of tabloid things and like certain things that she did along the way made me really kind of think that, you know, she did, she was very insecure about their relationship. No, absolutely. I, I definitely think she sort of like came from a place of just being like so worthy of him wanting her when it's like, dude, you are Demi Moore star of ghost. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, so, like, I mean, what, so, okay, I mean, Star of St. Elmo's Fire, I mean, oh. she's been doing it forever, like, so, I mean, she, like, you know, she was in General Hospital, St. Elmo's Fire, About Last Night, which were the 80s movies, then, like, of course, Ghost Happened 1990, but, like, think about it, Few Good Men, Indecent Proposal, Disclosure, and then she was, like, the highest paid actress, like, $12.5 million to star in Striptease, which was a horrible, uh, Striptease, which was a horrible movie, and then she did G.I. Jane, which was, like, another huge thing for her. Like, but, like, I mean, just she really was iconic for that time period. If you uh, throw in all those magazine covers, Bruce Willis. I mean, her and Bruce Willis owned a flipping town, and, like, they bought Idaho pretty much yeah. like, as a couple. Like, they, it was very celebrity, you know? It was extremely celebrity. Like, they were sort of the poster child for what you would imagine, like I said earlier, when you think of – Famous people, when you think of like A-list Hollywood royalty, you definitely think of 90s Demi Moore without any question. Like just untouchable, Mm. like not even a human person anymore. Yeah, but like, so I mean, like think of it this way too, is that when you think of her, like you just said with Ghost, like I immediately can picture, it's like, you know, imprinted on my memory is like, the, the single tear falling down her eye mm-hmm. or the cover. But like when I think of Ashton Kutcher, I, you know, I don't have any, Im- you know, like I don't have any iconic images of Ashton, you know, like, exactly. I mean, I know everything that Ashton's done, but nothing's really burned into my memory for him, you know? No, not at all. You just sort of picture him giggling on punk and like, a, you know, in, in a control room. Like that's literally yeah, the image. Yeah. And like, and then, and then running out and trying to hug a celebrity. You yeah. Know? We got you. <laughs> and like lifting somebody up that doesn't w- want to be lifted. Like that's truly the image I have of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but also the image I have of him, like, and I have this with a lot of male celebrities, Brad Pitt's another one is that like, they just make me angry because they're able to like the, the, one of the best things about that, they seem to be able to grow their hair at will. <laughs> like I, I was, I was like, looking at like Ashton's pictures, like, you know, there was like long haired Ashton, short haired Ashton, again, long haired Ashton. It's like, how quick is these guys hair, hair growing? Like, do you know you can be a successful actor because your hair grows like amazingly fast? There was just, he was like growing facial hair to me. That was like the most impressive part of Ashton Kutcher was like how, uh, much he could change his hair and facial hair. I mean, you're definitely not wrong. And like, he's one of those people that he's like so attractive. Like he's so good looking just like naturally that no matter how repulsive his hair looks, it could be the greasiest, moppiest, most disgusting. He always looks good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, pisses me off. Like I can't do anything with my hair. It's like kind of wavy and curly. And I just like got to pray it doesn't fall out, you know? <laughs> well, not all of us can be lucky enough to be born with Ashton's genes. I mean, he's a very blessed man. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, but I mean, like as far as like us talking about Demi being iconic and 
you know, everything like during this specific time, right before she met him, she had, like I said, she was in like a sort of a slumpy period in her career. Uh, She had taken a lot of time off. Uh, I read that she had gone Mm -hmm. and like she bought a house in like, what was it, Iowa or something where she was just sort of like hanging out with her daughters. uh, Yeah. Wasn't it Haley, Idaho? Is that right? Yeah. Idaho. And she was just, like, yeah. being a mom. And like you said, I mean, we kind of have to talk, touch on the fact that, like, I think striptease really affected to me as far as the trajectory mm-hmm. of where her career ended up. Because she was, at that point, she had signed, like, the, the, the most lucrative, like, female, like, actually, I think just in general, like, deal. Like, she was getting $12 million to star in yeah. striptease. It had huge 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 press everybody was talking about it everybody was so excited yep. to see it and the movie was it did abysmally bad it was terrible and it totally it totally it put this like dark sort of smudge on her up to that point perfect career you know what i mean like well yeah I mean, yeah but and i think that but i think that if you're talking about demi teaching ashton i think she learned that from bruce willis because Bruce Willis at the time was also somebody that would like do anything for the paycheck, you know, he yeah. would be in like, just like, I remember like striking distance was a horrible flipping movie that he did. Like he did a string of things that if they met his rate, which was like hovering around the $20 million point, he would do pretty much any film. And I believe they were represented by the same people. And that was the thing was that like, if you're going to meet this ask, which the ask was like, higher than any female actor had gotten up to that point in in most male actors, she would do that movie on top of get naked in that movie. Mm -hmm. But you know, audiences are really smart. Like if a movie's shit, they can like, they can sniff that out. Like, and they can also sniff out when people are doing things for money. Exactly. Which is ironic that you say that. I'm sorry. It was actually 15. I didn't mean to say 12. It was $15.5 million that they paid her to, to sign on to do strip tees and like do the nude scenes and everything. And like basically like go to war as a stripper and learn like the ins and outs of being a stripper to like the fullest (laughs) degree. But ironically, so like a year or so later, speaking of actresses who do things specifically to like get the paycheck or specifically to like get an Oscar, she definitely thought she was going to get an Oscar for GI Jane and it blew up in her face and it was like really embarrassing. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean kind of like, you know, like they, there's, I'm not trying to be on PC, but in, with that movie Tropic Thunder where, uh, you know, they talk about going full retard, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. is that I think Demi Moore was like, I'm going to shave my hair mm-hmm. and then they'll know that I deserve a nomination. Mm-hmm. Like that, I really believe that, like, because remember how, like, plastered her shaving her head, like, her hair was? Like, I remember, like, that's another image that I completely remember. What a big deal all those, like, Entertainment Tonight and all that stuff made of just her shaving her hair. Absolutely. I'll never forget when she went on Letterman and she let him like rub her head. And it was right after it was the year after she went and did like a strip tease on Letterman to promote. She literally stripped for him and and she wore the the top 10 list as a dress and he peeled he like peeled it off her body. And then the following year she went with a, a shaved head and like, <laughs> you know, it was just she was just so controversial and like thought provoking and iconic and but yeah I, I, she definitely thought gi gi yeah, jane well, was going to be a thing but the more we get into it the more like you know is that really is like i don't think she gets nearly enough credit like i mean if you think i mean that's really like i mean i don't think it worked in the case of like striptease or gi jane but i mean that's like 
the way she played media and stuff like that was very unheard of, I think, for a lot of females. I mean, you had Madonna, but like this was like the acting version of Madonna in certain ways because she was changing her image with every movie uh, and, and you know, getting paid very well to do it, which I think, you know, I mean, in a way, that's kind of like trend setting for female actors. Oh, absolutely. I would say it's extremely comparable to Madonna. And now you can look back on all those things. It's like her, even her misses were so um, yeah. important to our culture that you look back on them and like you have a weird sort of sense of a there's like a happiness feeling when I look back and think of how terrible striptease was, it like makes me happy because it was like conically bad. It wasn't just a terrible movie that she kind of like that could have been like swept under the rug. It was bad. It was like a meteor hitting the earth. How bad it was. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean like that's a, it's like, it's like a big, like somebody's taking a big shot. And they just miss completely. But like, I mean like I remember like the poster, you know, but by the, even the poster is bad. It's like <laughs> her and a purple background. Like it's like, it's like print, you know, <laughs> No, now it's like it's like lives in infamy. You know what I mean? It's like I if if striptease yeah. is on TV, there are two movies that I will watch at any moment, at any time of the day, no matter what my mood, no matter what the season, the year, it doesn't matter. I will always watch striptease and I will always watch Showgirls. And I don't know what that says about me. Mostly just that I'm a gay man, but I will <laughs> always watch that movie. It's incredible. <laughs> Well, but see, okay, so, like, even, like, and this may not be so woke of me, but, like, um, I think, like, when I, like, you know, striptease, I thought she was, like, you know, I didn't, I mean, I hate, I, I just didn't find her sexy in it. Yeah. You know, like, she's playing a stripper, and I never thought she got that part. I mean, no. I don't, I just didn't think it was, like, sexy, you know? Like, I think Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct, to me, that was, like, super sexy. And, like, uh, but this, I was just, like, Okay, you know, like, okay, those, I, yeah, those are your boobs, cool, yeah. like, you know, but, like, it, it just didn't do anything for me, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't sexy because it was so try-hard, like, it was so, the desperation was so palpable that it lost all of its credibility and all of its sexiness, like, when I watched that movie, the whole time I'm thinking, Demi Moore is trying so fucking hard, she's white-knuckling it, her nails are dug into the, the cement, yes. you yeah, know what I mean? Great. And then, you know, and then also, that's how it was just like a poor comedy. Like, it's just not like even a good comedy. It's trying to work as like this comedy with like a, yeah, it just didn't work on any level. No, not at all. And I think the combination of that and G.I. Jane really took a toll on the public's perception of her and the fact that she was so high, like she was so highly sought after and she was paid so much and had broken that record as far as being like the highest paid female actress. And then to go do those two movies back to back and have them both be critically panned was like, it was bad. It was really, it was a bad, uh, obviously that was years prior, but like, I just don't think she ever recovered. And then she ended up taking all that time off. Um, but I read that, uh, I'm obsessed with reading about yeah. when people get, uh, like best actress or best actor awards at like golden Razzie awards for movies being so terrible. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. she ended up getting uh, a, gold, like, a Razzie Award for Worst Actress for G.I. Jane. And, I mean, like, to get that and think that you would have gotten an Oscar. To think that you're going to get an Oscar and that you're shaving yeah. your head and you end up getting a, a Razzie for Worst Actress, this has just got to be, like, so, like, so horrifying. Well, I mean, think about, like, the, I mean, well, that's what I mean. And this is kind of what the whole... I mean, the, the whole smushroom kind of life is that all these guys live in such a bubble mm -hmm. that 
you know, the people around them and stuff don't ever give you really accurate information. And at a certain point, celebrities usually lose the temperature in the room. Like they don't know. Yeah. I mean, they just have no clue how they're perceived at a certain point. Like we see it time and time and time again, that when you're playing that the game so hard, which she was at that time, playing that celebrity game so hard, you kind of lose, I don't know, just like lose any awareness of, of, of the perception of, of, of how you're coming up, you know? That's so true. Like losing the temperature in the room is like the most perfect way to put it. Cause they really, they really do just become like delusional. And then there's really no way of going back. Like there's a certain point where they sort of like fall no. off mentally and then they never yeah. are able to be normal again, no matter what they do. But they, even, so even if you take this, like we've been like complimenting the crap out of her, but then the, the, then she gets into the relationship, but she never, she's never, I mean, she's worked, but she's never fully recovered in terms of like getting anywhere near the roles or the awareness or the success she had, uh, in the eighties and the nineties in terms no. of work, you know? No, absolutely not. I mean, even after she, okay. So like, if we're going to like move on a little bit now, she like went and took that break and then her return to Hollywood, her return to film was Charlie's angels full throttle, which mm -hmm. like, I mean, uh, <laughs> just, it's not even the good Charlie's Angels. It's the sequel. To I Ed. know. Like, God, why couldn't you get her for the first one? She was in that terrible yeah, like, freaking movie. Yeah, was the first one is great. Yes. Um, yeah, she was like the, the she was like the 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 villain in in Full <laughs> Throttle, and it just you know it was like like playing against type, and you know I guess in a way you know when they probably originally cast her in that that was like a huge get. Because, you know, it's all about female empowerment and, like, they're playing against the idea of, you know, Demi was, like, a really powerful person that had been out of the spotlight. So I'm sure for, like, the producers of that movie, they thought that was, like, a huge get and it was, like, a big deal. Absolutely. And do you remember, like, the media – like, the press surrounding <laughs> – her being in that movie this was her comeback like her age was a huge yeah. thing she had gotten her body in like this crazy shape and like this was supposed to be it like this was demi's comeback she was going to be like the demi that we knew years ago that was get, like getting a-list roles and like this was going to be like a huge deal and uh it was horrifying she got another <laughs> she got another razzie award for worst actress <laughs> <laughs> She was like the Tom Hanks of Razzie Awards. Right? <laughs> <Just every year. laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, at that that was kind of like, I guess the last portion of pre meeting well, Ashton Demi was that that movie, and then she took well, him to the premiere. Let me throw this. Le but let me throw this out too, and this this might be a little. It, this might come off a little rough. Okay. Um, but you know, barring ghosts. I have to say that I I don't perceive I perceive Demi Moore to be a movie star. I don't know if I necessarily perceive Demi Moore to be a good actor. Oh, she's no Meryl. Now, like I, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like I think Ghost is a very um, I think um, even blind people can see sometimes. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Even, I don't think it's even true, but like, I really think that was, I don't know how she was able to get the performance and did because it's a really amazing performance. But I think maybe she didn't really challenge herself to go to acting classes or do any of the things that you should do as an actor. I just, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I just don't think she, 
you know, she really can carry, um, she's like, I don't know. Like, and I think that's like a, when she plays in these shit bag movies, she's not even elevating the movie, you know? I 100% agree with you. I don't think that Demi Moore, I'm, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. Demi Moore is a movie star. She's not an actress. She's not, she is an actress on occasion. Like you said, there's been, you know, a handful of times. Yeah. Ghost is truly like her greatest performance and everybody knows that. And she's not um, a, a person who elevates a bad film. There are certain people who can do a movie yeah. and they make it better. Even if the movie is terrible, like if Meryl Streep can elevate a terrible movie, Demi Moore does not do that. Totally. Well, that, and also, like, you know, and with, you know, Ghost in particular, it's like, you know, the, the reason it works, too, is because the movie works. Like, every aspect of Ghost works. Right. You know, like, there's not, like, really a flawed moment in Ghost. So, you know, she's great in it, but it's also the movie's great. So all of that together kind of elevates it to something that we still talk about to this day. Whereas like, you know, I don't think I've heard the name Charlie's angel full throttle since the summer that it came out. No. And they definitely, I mean, it had that movie not been so poorly received, like, you know, they definitely would have done more, but it was so terrible. I mean, it was yeah, like, I mean, that was like, a, that was a franchise. That was a franchise, you know? Yeah. That would have been, Which, by the way, remember that? Like, cause it, didn't Mick G direct the second one too? Like, remember Mick G? What yeah. happened to Mick G? <gasps> Mick G, like, the, the music video like director. All, <laughs> yeah, like he would. He did the first two Charlie's Angels, and then he did like that really shitty Terminator movie with Christian Bale a couple years ago, and then I think he just kind of disappeared. Oh, he oh, he also produced the OC. Sorry. This oh yeah. Sorry about that. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Mick G, like. Yeah. And the weird thing is, like, this is we're sidetracking but when you watch charlie's angels like it literally looks like a giant music video yes yeah totally <laughs> i mean totally um and yeah i mean like but by the way i think it really worked for that first one and for some reason like the second one was just i mean it's just so funny when you watch movies and you you know you just just know that like it's this isn't working you know like just, I, know. I, think, I think audiences and especially like um that's why I love emotionally broken psychos group too. Is that like it's it's a lot of really savvy people that have watched TV and film their whole life, and they can pretty much pick up on like false moments and people acting like flippin' idiots. Like they can pick it up on it really quick, you know. No, for sure. Do you, Ryan? Do you ever um when you look at like premiere, like okay, so when I was going back and looking at you know pictures and stuff from Charlie's Angels premiere, um. And this is where, by the way, where uh, Ashton and Demi announced the relationship, which we'll get to in a minute. But do you ever go back and, like, look <laughs> at movie premieres and think, like, what was it like for them to sit through this film together? Wait, wait you mean, like, what was it like to go to the premiere together? Or what What do you mean? Like, what was it like for Ashton Kutcher to sit through this movie with Demi, with Demi and have to support oh, her? Yes. Dude, I... I do think about that. I actually, I do think about that a lot because especially, you know, like they have to sit there and if like they know a movie's not working, it's like, you, you know, it's like, we know when we're not good, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, but like, even like, think about it. Like, and I, I don't think that's, but like, I know when I don't think something is good that I've done, you know, like I, yeah. I, I'm pretty aware of it. So I, I mean, and that's like, that's the thing where like, as actors, they're like salesmen, you know, like they, they're salesmen. So they have to like bullshit their way through that whole press tour on going on Letterman, going on Stern, all that kind of stuff. And they have to say, it's the greatest film that they've ever done, but they know, they know. But yeah. I do wonder if like you're, 
yeah, like I do wonder if like Demi Moore or if any of these people, you know, are so delusional that they think it's great, and then like Ashton has to be like, "Wow, you um, you did some, you did amazing. Like that was yeah. that was incredible. Like I mean, because if you're in a love bubble, you know, you're going to, I mean, you're going to fully support anything that your partner does, and I don't know, um, I don't know, like. I don't know. I do think about that. I don't know how honest they are. Everybody is with each other in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. I mean, like I watched, like, I'm not even kidding you. I watched a clip. I stumbled upon a clip of this movie on YouTube. I haven't watched it since it came out, obviously. And, um, it was like Demi's introduction in the film. So she like kills this guy with her like golden guns. I don't know if you remember, she had like gold guns. That was like her thing in the movie. And, Sure. He, like she she shoots the angels like she shoots Lucy Lou and Cameron and 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 uh and Drew and it's like the most mm-hmm. just this two or three minute clip made me cringe so hard that I think I aged fourteen years like I suddenly became Demi's age. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking like what was it like for them to sit and watch this together and be and for Ashton to have to be like all right Where's babe. That? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I have to imagine that, like, you know, after that movie premieres, like, there's a conversation either with her or agents where it's like, yeah, I mean, we completely missed the mark on every level. So how are we going to get past this? Or you just, I mean, I am curious when you get to that kind of level of success, how honest people are around you. I mean, yeah, when you're Demi Moore, like, how honest are people with you, especially when you've taken three years off to, like, make this film, and it ends up being horrifying, and your introduction back into Hollywood is, like, this terrible movie that's been obliterated by the public and obliterated by the press, but I guess if you're dating Ashton Kutcher, who just starred in Cheaper by the Dozen, it's not really like you, I mean, like, those (laughs) those are two people who can swaddle each other at night, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't feel... I don't feel bad for either of them. Like, I, mean, like, I feel like uh, they, 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 yeah, like I'm not bumped out, but like I do, uh, it is, you know, it's like, I always think about it, Like I want, I want Hollywood and it, to a degree it is, but like, you know, one of my favorite movies is this movie, um, soap dish with Sally Field. Um, uh, do you ever see that with Whoopi Goldberg and Sally Field and Robert Downey Jr. It's like this flipping hysterical, uh, black, uh, black comedy, about a soap opera actress, Sally Field, that's getting older, and she, um, you know, she's not getting the attention that she once was. And then Elizabeth Shue comes on the scene, and it's like a young. I, it, it, it's just such a great take on, um, I don't know, just like the cattiness that uh, I always want Hollywood to be. You know, <laughs> yeah. Soap Dish is one of those movies that I've always like. You know how you have those maybe like ten or fifteen movies that are just in the back of your mind always that you know that you need to see kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, just, you've never seen it? No, I've never seen it, but I've always oh, wanted boy, to. You, bro, I think you would. I think you in particular would really. The and I the movie holds up still. Like, I mean, it's like it's like twenty plus years old, but it's still really, really flipping funny. Yeah, it's just really good writing. And I love me some Sally Field. I would watch her literally read a dictionary. Yeah, it's a great cast. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> 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 Ryan, don't you dare come on my podcast and, and attack me for being yeah. vulnerable. No, 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 no. Dude, oh, wait, wait. I have a really quick uh, Sally Field uh, story. I was, um, there was like a TV show on ABC like years ago called Brothers and Sisters that she was in. Uh-huh. And um, I had a small part in one of the episodes. And my scene was with uh, Sally Field and Calissa Flockhart and Rachel Griffiths. 
And I remember um, being so like, you know, like I remember the yelled action and we didn't really rehearse. And then I remember saying my line to Sally and Sally saying something back to me. And then I had to say the next line. But like when Sally said something to me, I was like, you know, like when you're used to like you grew up watching somebody yeah. that you're just so shocked that you're in that moment with them because <laughs> you're just like, oh, my God, like you're saying things you like that's your voice. Like, you, it's like that's that's your voice that like that Sally Field, that's that's Sally Field's voice. And you're yes. so shocked that you're experiencing that in life. And you like I just remember like just like Forrest Gump, like flashing before my eyes and like, you know, and then I just and and she knows it, too. Like, I think I was just looking at her like. Uh, you know, but I, I just think it's so funny that like we grow, like I love pop culture so much. I love film so much. So it is funny uh, when you get yourself in a situation where you then have to like work with some of these people and it's, um, it, it, it really throws you, you know? Yeah, like you realize like suddenly that these people are like actually human human people. All it's like, oh, Sally Field is literally a human person with personality traits, and that's why she's doing these things in front of me. Can I tell you about the only yeah, experience that I've ever had of that happening? Yes. So a few years ago, I used to live in Chicago, and uh, I got. I just used to, I used to apply to get tickets to the Oprah show like my entire life. It was just like this thing that my best <laughs> friend and I used to do like even in high school and in middle school, we would apply to get tickets and um you know it would never happen. And I moved to Chicago and I was unemployed. I wasn't working yet, so I had nothing to do all day. And I sat on my computer one day and I was like, I'm going to apply. I mean, I'm here. I may as well do it now cuz I'm like sitting in Chicago. And I immediately got tickets to the Oprah show, like within one minute of applying. And uh, I called my friend and like I made her come to Chicago and like we went to the show and like watching Oprah come out and seeing Oprah just do all the Oprah things. I was like, this is not I turned into like one of the people that you see on YouTube with like their heads exploding because Oprah's giving them like a fucking keychain. Like I literally was like, I can't yeah. believe that. Oprah is doing all the Oprah things and saying Oprah things and saying people's names in the Oprah way in front of me. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is like to a lesser degree, but I went and saw one of those Watch What Happens Live thing when they came to LA. Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, when we like uh, Amanda Haska from the group and and the the Ramona Fax girls and like I, there's a shot. Um, Molly actually texted it to me. There was like a pant, like a reaction <laughs> shot of me in the audience, and it like it looked like it was like the happiest day of my life. You know, <laughs> where I was like, like I was, like I was, I was so. In those moments, I really like that's a very true feeling for me. I'm just like, oh my god, there's Andy. Cohen and they're you know like I just get so excited about stuff like that no for sure and he's doing all the Andy he's like head, head tilting and doing all the Andy Cohen things yeah. <laughs> I'm like you're charming in person too <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so then I guess now do you want to like get into uh what Ashton was doing up yeah. to this point <laughs> yeah yeah let's do that again not much it'll be very uh it'll be a quick little run through because there's not a whole lot happening uh, <laughs> yeah. So around this time, Ashton was on his way to entering the sort of like 
whatever Ashton became known for, like he was entering into that phase of his career. Like Punk had premiered this exact year that him and, and Demi started dating. So like Punk was like taking off and uh, he had. Yeah, so, also, I mean, what year was that? Was that 2004 or what, what year? That was 2003. 2003. Okay. Yeah. And he, um, yeah, he had so, also produced reality yeah, so he had shows. Done just married, right? Yeah, he had done. Yeah, I mean, like he had done. He had done. Dude, where's my car? Uh, which was like right after the '70s show, and just married with um, uh, uh, the late Brittany Murphy, yeah. who they were a thing as well. Mm-hmm. And then he did my boss's daughter. He produced and hosted Punk, and then uh, Butterfly Effect right around the same time, I think. Did you know that he produced? Uh, I mean, I don't know any of these other reality shows. There's like three of them, but he was the executive producer of Beauty and the Geek. Yeah, well, because him and his partner, um, what's his name? Uh, it's Soleil Moon Fry's husband. Oh yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Soleil yeah. Moon Fry was punk, punky producer. His name is Jason. Uh, I gotta remember what his name is. Uh, but yeah, they they they've been like a very successful. Uh, uh, production company producing you know and that yeah beauty and the geek and uh and then they hit gold with like uh punked because that mm-hmm. really became like a little bit of a lightning rod in, in celebrity culture for a bit yeah and they did <clears throat> the other ones i don't i've never heard of these but they also did oh two. jason goldberg jason goldberg jason goldberg god that was gonna actually really bother me yeah yeah um, but they had done Adventures yeah. in Hollywood and The Real Wedding Crashers, two other shows that they had done for like the CW or something. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Real Wedding Crashers was an NBC show that lasted for like a summer, I believe. Okay. What was that? Do you do you remember like the premise? It was it, it was like uh, it was a hidden camera show. Um, so it was like uh, they would do hidden camera things at people's actual weddings. Which was kind of a really fucked up uh, thing because, you know, like they would actually do this at people's real weddings. So like somebody in their wedding party would sign off on like a hidden camera show um, freaking the hell out of actual married couples or people on their best, like their biggest day. That is absolutely fucking terrible. And if that I'd be like, so who's paying for this now? Because you guys are paying for this now, right? Yeah, I'm sure they got money. Like one of my friends, Cat Reitman, was one of the actors hired uh, to do that show. And um, yeah, um, but yeah, I don't. I, I don't think I. I think I watched one episode, but I, I was like real, like just flash in the pan. It just came and went. Well, <clears throat> the weird thing about that time too for him was that like he was sort of setting up what would be the next, you know, ten. 15 years of his life and his career, but it's like we said earlier. I think. You know, he met Demi this year, and I I wonder what his career... Of course, you could say the same for her, but for him, really, I wonder mm-hmm. what his career would have been like had he not met her. And because I just think about, like, you know, the advice that she was probably giving him, you know, the deals that she was probably, yeah. like, sort of telling well, him that he should or shouldn't go for, things like that. I go back and forth on that, actually, because, um, you know... The more I the the more I read about him, and just like the what I do know about him is, he is weirdly savvy when it comes to business. I mean, here's a yeah. guy that's invested in a lot of lot of companies. If you watch Shark Tank, uh, you know he actually does. He's worth quite a amount, uh, like quite a bit of money. He was also one of the first you know Twitter phenoms, like where everybody was fil- uh, you know following at a plus. Um, and he, you know, he. So what I do think is that like he did uh, use her credibility and stardom to get to that next level. But I do believe 
he had the goods to back it up, not in terms of acting, but in terms of uh, business. I think he did a lot of things behind the scenes um, that that made him a very, very rich man that I don't think even um, you know the the casual viewer knows anything about. I totally agree with you. I think that she he used her credibility to kind of get his foot in the door so that people would take him more seriously. And, you know, because if anything, he probably was like helping to me. I mean, if anything, he was the one that was like, now that I think of it, he's yeah. the one that got her on Twitter and, you know, introduced mm-hmm. her into like this tech world and all this stuff. So he probably was the one that was like, you need to get your shit together. Like we got to we got to rebound your career here in some in another way besides yeah. you doing another movie. But I do think, like, but I do think he used that stardom in a way that helped with his business ventures. I mean, the guy is a venture capitalist. He, in, you know, he invested in, you know, he was an early investor in Skype, Foursquare, Airbnb, um, and he has his own venture capital firm called A Great Investments with Guy O'Siri. Guy O'Siri, we know, was like Madonna's manager, or maybe still is, but like he, you know, like, yeah. and, and Guy O'Siri used to take one of the power. I mean, like, I'm just saying, the guy is a very, uh, I think he's a very smart, smart man business-wise yeah it's incredible it would be really it would be really 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 cool actually to to pick his to like just have like a dinner with ash yeah. and just pick his brain about business and 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 tech and startups and everything like happening in silicon valley like he would just be really interesting to kind of pick his brain which by the way i think he probably played that up a lot when he was like kind of hooked up with 22 year old cheerleaders in san diego i'm sure he, <laughs> you know was kind of which we'll get to but yeah also also an investor in i'm just saying like he invested in um these two la restaurants that i remember uh was geisha house and dolce which those were really big hollywood la restaurants at the time you Mm -hmm. know and like you know, 2004, 2005, those were like big deal restaurants, like that you couldn't get into, like it was like the hot reservation to get for a minute. Um, I don't know. Like, I just always think like he, so he was very diversified, you know, he was way more than an actor. And I always think like, if you, it's very similar to Demi Moore is that Ashton Kutcher is a really funny actor and he was really funny on that seventies show, but he's not, uh, you know, he's not Daniel Day Lewis. He's not Tom Hanks. I think he knows his lane. He yeah. sticks to it. And that's one of the reasons why he took over. Yeah. I mean, I think a perfect example is he did that Steve Jobs movie, you know, like he did the straight to video Steve Jobs movie. And yeah. I think that's a lot like Asperger's acting. He's a straight, he's a straight to video kind of actor. That's so true. And he does now, I mean, he definitely had to learn the hard way, but he does now seem to know his lane because he used to, because when you look back at his career, yeah, it's, it's really hard to even cherry pick like, things that you can say were not only good, but just even watchable. Like he has a, a a large IMDB page of just very unwatchable, um, very not, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't translate. Like (laughs) they're just not good. They, they, they're not in any way timeless. Like the comedies, like even dude, where's my car is like, it's not like a movie that people go back and watch like, you know, 10 years later. Like, well, it's the kind of movies that like people, like if they, if they, if they love it, it's because they're thinking of a time and place in their life when they were happy. Like mm-hmm. there's not like no going like just married. Oh my God. Now that was the romantic comedy for the ages. Like, <laughs> no, they must've had like a good, no, but like, I, I mean, I don't, 
I, or even the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect was like a twilight zone for losers. Sorry for sure. if you loved it, but like no, it, was, yeah. it, it just, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It just, I, for me, none of these movies hold like cheaper by the dozen. Uh, I like Steve Martin, but I don't think that holds up. Um, yeah. Like none of his movies have ever really done anything for me personally. Well, I guess now we can kind of get into uh, their relationship. We can get into yes. them, to, into them yeah, so dating. Fuck you, Aston. Fuck you. Yeah. You're not a good actor. <laughs> yeah. So the takeaway is that we don't enjoy Ashton Kutcher films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, okay, yeah. So their their relationship. Okay, so they went public with their relationship in June of 2003 at Demi's premiere for Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, and they went with. Bruce and Tallulah, the whole gang was there. Everybody was there. Um, which is, it's weird that they decided to go public with their relationship with Bruce, but it also is like, also so great because it just set up. It was shocking for people, it's but like it just, Hollywood. it was so Hollywood and so planned and fake and 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 perfectly oh, crafted. I mean, like it reminds me a little bit of like you know, um, remember like I don't know why I always think of like. Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow or Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, like, you know, or like it was, I could no Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow when they were like, you know, had the same haircut and stuff. Mm -hmm. and it was such an iconic image, that photo. But I think that, like, you know, it definitely was a planned out thing and it really set up the, um, it set up a relationship. Yeah, it really did. It was just kind of this really interesting, um, media Hollywood moment that everybody kind of talked about and joked about because I, I know all the late night show hosts were like joking about, you know, what mm -hmm. a weird, like, you know, Bruce Willis being in on their relationship. Yeah. And it like to kind of like piggyback off what you're saying, like it did, it set up, it set the tone for the next 10 years of their, what their relationship was going to be like, how unorthodox it was, you know, the age difference and the blended family and the kids are, <clears throat> you know, close in age to, to Ashton and it this like this whole thing, but it, they just made it work. And then Ashton and and Bruce are, you know, buddies that hang out alone. Like just this weird, giant Brady Bunch dynamic, very like, very specific to them. And it just yeah. set us, kind of just set us up for what we were going to be seeing for the next decade. Well, yeah, because her and Bruce Willis lasted, I believe, eleven years, and then Demi and Ashton lasted about ten years. But I do think, like, and especially that the kid thing was, like, fascinating to me. I remember at the time, because there was even, and when I was doing the research, I think you probably read that, too, is that rumor said, rumor Willis, uh, you know, said she was weirded out by uh, <laughs> Ashton and Demi being together because she had a poster of Ashton up on her wall at one time. Yeah, they, they had crushes on him. I mean, that's got to be weird. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be weird for a girl to be going through puberty and then her mom moves in the guy that you, like, you know, are getting, like, all horned up on or whatever. I don't even know the right word for that. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like two girls get all horned up. Like, that's horrible. I'm, 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 oh, I'm man. getting all horned up. Out that. Uh, you know you said something funny when you bring out my Roseanne laugh, like, in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah they, they they debuted there and then it was like off to the races yeah and like to add to the to the i mean we can kind of get into it later if i don't want to like digress too much if you don't but like to add to what you just yeah. said like the relationship between demi and her daughters is very strange and it yes. did hit this very bumpy 
patch where like she was making some really poor choices publicly and i think it can be rooted back to her even deciding to be with ashton and like sort of shove it in her children's faces that like mommy's dating you guys is teen beat crush you better get over it I, I know he's could be like in high school with you you know what i mean it, not that like that's not okay i think that every oh, yeah you know no, you know, no, but like two, 25 years old and she's 40 years old. I mean, these girls already have to deal with like, you know, their parents being superstars, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. And they also have to deal with their names being fucking weird, like Rumor and Scout Tallulah. Right. Tallulah Bell, sorry. But like, you know, like they've dealt with like the Hollywood thing, but I do think it's an added level of weirdness because when that thing hit, like it was a nut, it was like, it was like tabloid fodder. Like I remember this being like a really big deal. No, absolutely. And like, I don't know. It's just I feel bad for those kids like they've just been put through. They've been put through so much by their parents and they've had no part in it at all. They've just had this crazy public, super interesting, unique life. But you could do hours. You could I mean, you could do hours on those kids, too. I mean, because they they went through it all. Like, I mean, like rumor, like rumor, like had to uh, deal with the, you know, Perez Hilton years when Perez was like a fucking mean asshole. And, like, would literally make fun of her chin, mm-hmm. you know, in posts and stuff. I mean, and these were kids. Like, and if you go back and look at the kids, like, they had some really messed up times. Um, and also to your point about Demi Moore is that, like, she is um, famous for not, not making the best decisions even, like, after their relationship. You know, I mean, they just had a, a kid uh, die at her house that yeah. she got sued for. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's, she's been in a lot of, like, weird mishaps and, like, there was that weird thing. I mean, didn't she get sent to the hospital a couple years ago for, I think it was like a rumored drug, I don't know. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. you got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So, go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate, and then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast, you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast, um, you'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.